Let's talk to Buckeye former Colt Roy Hall, who's involved in the community with the Driven Foundation. What's up, Roy? How are you? What's going on? Good morning to you, Roy. Boy, crazy time for all of us, huh? Yeah, um, almost like an awakening, right? A different type of awakening, one that we didn't necessarily um, see coming this way, uh, but definitely uh, an opportunity for everyone to get better. You know, Roy, as an Ohio State football player, you were certainly afforded opportunities in this city that the average black male may not have been afforded. But with that being said, have you ever experienced anything personal? Uh, you know, when you're walking down the street, you're not wearing your uniform. Did you ever have any negative experience with the police in Columbus? Uh, not negative experience with the police per se. Um, and I think that is... That's one of the challenges, uh, right, Elliot? Um, there is, um, it's not so much the police as much as it is a day-to-day understanding um, and a day-to-day, uh, I don't want to call it a burden, but the challenges of being a black male or black female in America. And so what we thought wasn't an issue was really uh, black people mastering the arts of not responding or covering up to their emotions and their feelings for being who they really are. And so the whole notion that it's just a police problem is not necessarily what uh, now the conversation has shifted towards. It's what does it mean to be a black person in America and how how uncomfortable it's been expressing certain feelings you have because you don't have anyone uh, that can help you or, or walk you through that. Sure. Um, and so now it's more like, hey, not only are you guys seeing what um, black males and females go through from a police brutality standpoint, now you guys have to hear the rest of the story, which is how we've been feeling for a long time. Hey, Roy, when it comes to, and you know, Cincinnati had a rap, and I don't know if it's it's uh, current day, present day about police brutality to the to the uh, black male or black female, and there was kind of the word out there. When you're in the inner city talking to kids, is how are the police seen by the inner city? Is it a positive, negative? Uh, how are they viewed? Well, the experiences are different towards only because um, a lot of times in the areas that I serve, there are local police officers who are consistently in that area. And so when you're consistently in the area seeing certain groups and certain populations, um, it's a little bit different um, for you because they recognize the kids. I know a lot of police officers, Anthony Johnson comes to mind, uh, Sean Fuqua, who both of those with Columbus, Mm -hmm. uh, the Columbus Police Department. Those guys come to mind as people who patrol often, who get out, who congregate, congregate and talk and communicate with uh, those community members. And so it diffuses the tension a little bit. Um, however, what you're seeing is, you know, when when these people are outside of uh, their normal patrol zone, right, or if the if, if the uh, black individuals are in another neighborhood or somewhere else, now all of a sudden you see a little different story. I think the young people that we work with, uh, we try and bring in police officers, right, to let them know that these guys are the good guys, and there are some a lot of what we're seeing right now in mainstream where the negative ones are the people who don't use that shield and that badge for the right thing are publicized, so to speak, um, and glorified for the negative that they do. Uh, These guys are the guys that are here day to day. And so we try and do our part in making sure 
uh, that we show that the police are really special. A couple years ago, uh, we worked with Coach Meyer, and we did a Thanksgiving event on the Wednesday of the Michigan game uh, with the police, and we had about 150 inner-city kids and, and teachers come in, and we had the entire Ohio State football team just to show them. There's probably about 50 members representing the police department to show them this is what service looks like, and these guys are really the good guys, and there's nothing to be afraid of. Boy, is that great. You know what I hear when I listen to you talk, Roy Hall, and I've thought this for years. I've never met your parents, but what I hear is family values. How important do you think it is for young people today, black or white, to have a father figure in the house? Yeah, father figure is, is, is huge, and, and obviously our black homes are um, missing yeah. that component. And so growing up, when the majority, listen, one out of every three black males is expected to go to prison in their lifetime, mm. um, as opposed to one out of every 15 white. And so when you're talking statistics and you're talking probability, um, the chances are that the young black male or his dad is going to go to prison. But if dad's in prison, chances are son's going to follow suit soon after, unless he has a strong mother uh, and the strong support system around him to get him to the next level. And that's what we're missing right now is that particular dynamic. But there's so many different opportunities in education and in schooling and different things that the black community is not getting. And so every area where you say we can get better, hey, we can get better in this area, we can get better in that area, um, we don't have dads around, so now you're not motivated. You don't yeah. know the importance of you know, uh, you know, being a good citizen and somebody to set the standard. Or... Uh, to your point, L, if you have a black father or a cousin or uncle or whoever it may be in your life and you, all you see is him on the street and doing negativity to try and survive, yeah. all of a sudden you start to emulate that behavior. Sure. Hey, you have a younger sister, right? I do. Yeah, because I – so before I met Roy Cherry, I'm doing an appearance at Kroger, and I met Roy's mom and sister. They showed up. You know, I was working at the sports yeah, station. Yeah, yeah. Boy, Roy's mom and sister couldn't be prouder – of this guy. I'm Mr. Roy Hall. Oh, man. <laughs> this is back when Roy was playing. So, I mean, boy, mom is proud of you, man. So, I, I, I wanted to ask you, Roy, and I'll use this for an example, and, and I want to get your take on it. So, I, I'll use my family example. Uh, my mom grew up without plumbing. They had an outhouse. They were just poor. And when you do generation through generation of being poor and you feel like you don't have an opportunity and you go through it and you see your grandfather was poor and your parents are poor, do the the youth that you talk to just somehow feel like, man, I'm just never going to get an opportunity to, to, break, to break the cycle of yeah. this because everybody I see is just living a rough life? Yeah, especially when you don't have, let's just say, an athletic talent, right? Um, I my particular perspective is going to be a little bit different. Not saying my experiences are different, my perspective is different because when you were talented enough to all through your life be one of the best athletes on the field or on the court, um, it changes how people look at you and changes how people respond and react and converse with you. And so growing up, uh, even though my father wasn't in the household, um, you know, my mom being raising raising us as a single mom. Her son, she never had to worry about because her son was gifted athletically. And because of that, whether it was white or black, uh, people treat you differently. Yeah, right. And so I always felt like I had a good opportunity, and I never really felt that sting because of the environment in which I was raised. And so uh, we were inner city, and then when we moved into a, a, a district where 80% of the high school was white, 
there were times where I felt negative energy, but since I was so gifted athletically, it, it trumped that particular. You were exempt, sure. Um, which is why my, you know, a lot of our athletes are able to uh, function in society a little bit different than the traditional black male uh, at 21 or 19, whatever it may be, because of what we learned in college. Again, being mm-hmm. an athlete, if you're a traditional black male growing up in an inner city. You never feel like you have opportunities you don't have because that. it's either yeah. you have to be LeBron James, you have to be a rapper, or you have to go into crime to survive. You may not want to, but if you don't have those opportunities to move upward, you got to resort to whatever you got to do to put food on the table. You know, Roy, I, I see this social media post, and and outside of your social media post, it's really a toxic environment right now for people. But I keep seeing the social media post there. Hey, white people, if you remain silent, you're part of the problem. But to me, if I if someone tweets something, you're just writing words on a screen. So what is for out there for people to help? What do people do? Because a, a social media post is not going to help anything. You know what? Uh, it's it's a start, though, where the first thing is, if I am a white male or white female, and, I, and, and I'm not, I am 22% white from Ancestry.com, according to But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I'm 22% Northern European. Uh, so I speak for the 22% of my whiteness. Um no, the first, but but posting on social media though, Tor, can be powerful if you've never in your life posted anything for this particular cause. Now, when you're talking about unity and you're talking about making a difference, if you speak up and say something in your sphere of influence amongst your white friends, and you get them talking based on something that you posted, you've done a very very good job as far as doing your part in that particular moment. But what I'm afraid of and what I don't want to happen is this momentum of unity and change and Black Lives Matter all of a sudden to just be a trending topic or a fad. And usually when we're talking about media and the news cycles, that's what happens, where a week or two of momentum and absolutely nothing to follow it up with because there's another national headline. And so... The same thing happened three years ago. It was just under different circumstances with Colin Kaepernick, and he used his platform to try and communicate a message. The message got turned, and now we're here three years later, and now everybody's in the uproar because of the what we were able to see. So what I want to happen is if you tweet one day, tweet another day, and then figure out um, how locally – you can make a difference in that particular community. And, Roy, unfortunately, history repeats itself. How we went through it 50 years ago. We went, I mean, go all the way back to the Civil War. We're a racist country, and unfortunately, I don't think that's going away. And it's not just, it's not uniquely American. I mean, you can go... Uh, the the way the Japanese treat the Koreans, the way the Arabs treat the Jews, it's a it's a global problem. This racism, and unfortunately, I think it's very idealistic to go. We're going to do it. You and we're never going to do away with. It's been the history of the world. We we're racist. We have racism in it. It's what we can do as individually. You know, if I do it, if I'm kind and respect people, you do it. Torg does it. Now we got something, and you can at least work with that within your own circle of friends. And family and perhaps that can grow but as far as you know these kids laying on the state house lawn because racism is going to go away tomorrow I, I i don't see it happening we're a racist country yeah right now people are trying to figure out as many solutions as they can and when you add emotions uh with 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 uh, the circumstances and maybe the inability to be heard um you're going to get people um 
protesting and or trying to figure out a way to bring attention to and agitating attention to whatever the cause is. There's really no um, cure, so to speak, or there's really no uh, solution, immediate solution for a heart condition. Um, and when you're talking about matters of the heart and character, that is something that has to be done over a long amount of time, how you teach your kids, what you do day to day. But what I've been saying on, on social media, and Torg alluded to this, this a little bit earlier, is we have to, uh, like, dig deep and um, really, like, grasp the concept of the highest form of love. It's called it's agape love. It's, it's, it's God's love for man and man's love for God. And, and so... Uh, we have it's not that lovey dovey, you know, buy you a Valentine's Day. Right. You know, I'm talking about unconditional love that transcends and persists regardless of circumstances. It goes above and beyond emotion, right, to the extent of seeking the best of others no matter. And so from black to white and white to black, we have to consistently persist and look and search for the best in each other to move forward uh, as a human race. And so to your point, Elliot, if we don't do that, if we don't do our part right. consistently and daily, this conversation will repeat itself every two to three years or yep. even more as social media continues to dominate human yep. life. Yep. Yeah, I think the good news is, though, is the youth are better than us just for the same. My kid, I couldn't tell you if his friends same are for white mine. or black. Same or for mine. Just because they even don't. Even gay. Yeah. Black, white, gay, they don't care. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. So I think things are changing. It just needs to, you know, we just need to keep it up. Hey, so what do people uh, throw out the website so people can help? But how do you think this is going to, like you mentioned, you're right on it, Roy. This thing's going to gain steam or lose steam, and people are going to stop protest, and we have to uh, amp it up and make a change. So how, how do we do that? Can we donate? Can we donate our time? What needs to be done after that? Uh, there's many layers, right? And so, again, like anything else, um, you have to figure out uh, where you can best be effective. And so I believe that there are many causes that you can donate to financially. There are many things that you can do uh, to peacefully protest. There are many things that you can do and say on social media. But at the end of the day, you have to make sure that you get on the front lines. One of the things that I have uh, made it a priority in my life to do now is to serve and be of service uh, for the rest of my life. And so hunger is still a problem in the inner city. Homelessness is still a problem in the inner city. People not being able to understand how to fully fill out a job application and or have a resume is still a huge problem. Uh, going back to school here in about three or four months, I don't know how it's going to look, whether it's hybrid model or remote model, but not having adequate school supplies is going to be a problem. And so I'm focusing on that particular arena with the kids, um, and understanding that those kids are our best chance of changing uh, the perception of white people and, and the kids are the best perception of changing uh, the, the, the image of black people to them as well. And so I'm going to focus on serving on the ground, the, the grassroots level where there's consistently problems. I can't fight the battle up above with the racism and all of that. But what I can do is put people that love people in front of kids and young people and families to hopefully let them know that the world isn't as ugly as they seem. Ah, uh, good work, Roy. Yeah, what's the website where people can donate and help out the Driven Foundation? Uh, if you guys go to staydriven.org, I, I urge you to go to staydriven.org. Uh, one of the things that we're doing right now, we have a new startup uh, Thursday at 6.30 Eastern time 
training uh, that's called Always Ready. Uh, it's, it's for anybody, young people, adults, parents, uh, again, just urging them and motivating, inspiring them, giving them hope while we're kind of still quarantined, so to speak, and just getting out. Uh, but we do a lot of work in the in the community, staydriven.org. Hey, Roy, can you come over to my house tonight and motivate my kids to clean their room? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, listen, this is what you do, Torg. You figure out exactly what he wants. And then you do whatever you can to get get it to them, and you let them know. Like by cleaning your room, it's gonna get you closer to whatever that goal is. You got to find out what drives people, and then once you do, you'll get them to be able to do anything. Hence the name <laughs> Driven Driven Foundation. Roy, you're terrific. Every time we talk, it's it's glad to uh, hook up again here outside of the football season. It's a pleasure. Thank you guys for okay. always thinking of me. You guys are true friends, man. All right, take Bye-bye. care, buddy.